Brace yourself, because as it is turning out, markets were right all along about what is going on and where this all is going next. And if that's true, and it looks more and more like it is, then that means we, not only do we have a major economic problem on our hands, we also probably have a bunch of financial volatility to deal with, along with, maybe even more important over the longer run, an information issue, an information problem, but one that is not exclusive to the public. It's not just the public that has a difficult time interpreting and analyzing the economic circumstances that we find ourselves in. This also extends into the key parts of the economy where you wouldn't think lack of information and knowledge and ability to interpret it is such a big, big issue. Now, what do I mean by all that? Well, short run version is recession, of course. More and more data tells us that we're heading into recession, including another, several actually, major layoff announcements from prominent companies, one after another after another, which tell us exactly what the yield curve had told us to expect all along. And the problem is, when you hear from economists and especially policymakers at the central bank, they come up with all sorts of excuses about why you shouldn't pay attention to particularly the bond market. Oh, the Fed buys bonds, therefore it's poison the whole well. Inversion doesn't mean something until it means, it doesn't mean anything until Jay Powell says it means something. There's any number of rationalizations out there about why you should look at a yield curve and just say, no, I'd rather trust Jay Powell and the FOMC. They have complicated, really elegant, sophisticated mathematical regression equations. So why wouldn't I trust them over a bunch of greedy bankers in Wall Street and everywhere else? But as it turns out yet again, the way in which the economy is unfolding, therefore the risks, not just to the economy down the road, but also to financial markets, have been priced accordingly. And they're available for everyone in real time as everything unfolds. So as we digest more labor announcements, we're starting to ask ourselves, why is this recession transition so difficult? Many people understand what's going on, but a lot of people are really confused about it, including those in Washington, D.C., as well as everyone who fills out the financial media because they get their interpretations spoon-fed to them from the policymakers in D.C. and New York. We are going to untangle this mess. Recession, the question of recession, how markets told you what was going on, and really, what is the primary, uh, primary information problem in analyzing and interpreting the situation. We'll get to all that next, but first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. You know by now I'm gonna tell you about Eurodollar University members who get exclusive videos about the way in which we interpret these things like the yield curve, about how the monetary system actually works. It doesn't include the Fed. About all sorts of real in-depth details on curves, money, economy, finance, all that kind of stuff, as well as we have research subscriptions, a daily briefing, which goes over all the major data points that come up every single day, a little brief commentary about what's going on in the markets that I think is most important about them, and then a separate product, the deep dive analysis, where we dive deep into all of these types of questions, concerns, how do we analyze, what are curves telling us, why should we pay attention to curves, what is it that, that policymakers see in their mathematics that maybe they shouldn't? All that stuff available, deep dive analysis. So if you're interested, eurodollar.university, all the information there. 
uh, check it out at our website. So today we got more big layoff announcements. Of course, we had, we've had them pretty steadily since November. And that kind of gets us into this situation where we're asking these types of questions. Companies have been announcing layoffs, but yet it doesn't look like we're in recession. We're hearing about something going on in the labor market. When we look at the labor market data, it says this, this, there's absolutely nothing going wrong. So you can, you can understand from a certain situation, a certain perspective where you would say, yeah, the economy looks like it's actually holding up really well because we've got these layoffs. We've got all this uncertainty, consumer price pressures. We're hearing about all these negative things. And yet the labor market data looks relatively good, if not really good which we could then interpret as the economy is holding its own despite massive headwinds flying into its face. So we have a little bit of a slowdown. Maybe it's not all that much. But yet more and more the data keeps saying, no, there's, it's, not, it's, it's going in the wrong direction. And it's not just corporate stories about layoffs, but the, the corporate layoff announcements, at least the details of them, give us a real good sense about why there's this really divergence between what markets have predicted, what's actually going on, and what we can see in particular with certain data accounts. Again, one reason why economists say to ignore markets, well, I mean, they have a variety of reasons, but the real reason is, as I talked about in yesterday's video with my good friend Stephen Van Meter, markets point out all of the ways in which economists are absolutely wrong. Not just policymakers at the Fed, but the mainstream economic interpretations, beginning with, in this cycle, what happened in 2021 in particular. Most economists, Larry Summers in particular, uh, but he was obviously not alone, said the government stimulated the crap out of the economy and generated legitimate 70s-style inflation, an overheating economy that eventually Jay Powell and his crew we're eventually going to have to take uh, do something about because the economy, especially the labor market, labor shortage, all that stuff that you heard over the last couple of years made it seem like the economy was doing not just well, but too well. And a lot of people, not just in the public, a lot of people in the corporate world, those running businesses, believed that message. And as the CPIs went higher and higher and higher, unable to interpret the information that was in front of them, they said this is confirmation of what the economists were saying. A red hot economy, in Warren Buffett's terms, a red hot economy that was likely to stay red hot because economists also tell us that when governments do a lot of things, those things tend to build upon each other more and more over time. So if a government does a lot, it's supposed to, multiplier greater than one, it's supposed to lead to long run impacts. In this case, an overheating economy that was likely to stay hot for a long period of time. I wanna use a couple examples here today. One example, we got the latest number, leading economic indicator from the conference board. And the conference board's leading economic indicator has been a relatively decent leading economic indicator, in particular when it flashes below what it calls the recession threshold. The recession threshold is when its LEI index falls at a greater than 4% annual rate in any six-month period. Now, in November and December, 
the index has declined sharply. They just released the December figure down 1% in just that one month. Over the last six months of 2022, the leading economic indicator from the conference board is down at almost an 8% annual rate, so well within the recession territory. And the, uh, the uh, director of economics at the conference board even indicated, it said, the U.S. LEI fell sharply again in December, continuing to signal recession for the U.S. economy in the near term. There was widespread weakness among leading indicators in December, indicating deteriorating conditions for labor markets, manufacturing, housing construction, and financial markets in the months ahead. So the leading economic indicator says we're heading toward recession, and now it's got to the situation where probability that we don't get into recession is exceptionally small. This would be the first time, at least in the LEIs, the conference board's LEIs history, where that wouldn't happen. But it's not just the LEI, is it? It's everything else that we've seen. We've been talking about recession. We've been seeing data move in that, in that particular direction for a long time. So it's the LEI is adding more weight to the evidence that we're, we're probably already in one. I would date a recession back to last June, but you know I don't get to decide these things. It's very likely that when the NBR finally gets together and interprets the data in the correct way, all the data, it'll probably say November or December was probably the beginning of the recession. But why will the NBR have so much problem like it did in 2008 or the year 2000 or the year 1990-91? It's because of how we have this information problem. And the, the conference board actually speaks about it in their press release. They say, while the leading economic indicator is falling down in recession territory, meanwhile, the coincident economic in index has not weakened in the same fashion as the LEI because labor market-related indicators, employment and personal income, remain robust. Now think about it. Every time the topic of yield curve inversion comes up, every time the word recession comes up, what is the first thing that these mainstream economists say? What is the first thing that Jay Powell and those at the central, central bank say, which is redundant to economists? They say, well, yes, the economy does seem to be slowing down, but have you seen the unemployment rate? As the conference board says, yes, we, our leading index says recession, but the coincident indicator says the labor market is doing really well. What is going on here? Well, for the first part, employment data, jobs data, apart from jobless claims, which we'll get to in a second, but employment data tends to be lagging anyway. And it tends to be lagging for several reasons, which I, I think we need to talk about that in terms of these layoffs themselves. Because again, we've been hearing really since October, November and December, coincident to all the stuff that tells us the recession began, We've been hearing companies saying we're cutting back workers and companies that you wouldn't necessarily expect would be cutting back, including today an announcement from Google Alphabet. I guess they're called Alphabet, right? They used to be called Google. We all talked about Googling everything and then they said, well, they call us Alphabet because we're everything under the alphabet, I guess. Anyway, Google said, Alphabet said, they were going to cut 12,000 employees or roughly 6% of their full-time workforce. The press release saying, after a rigorous review across product areas and functions to ensure that our people and roles are aligned with our highest priorities as a company. 
yeah, their highest priorities as a company is the uncertain economic uh, economic climate and what that might do to their profitability with the stock down as much as it has for as long as it has been, they had to do something. That was their economic uncertainty, more layoffs. Obviously what they're saying is the same thing as another big layoff announcement or another, another high profile layoff announcement from the company Spotify. Now Spotify isn't a huge employer by any stretch of the imagination, but still they're cutting 6% of their workforce announced today. And the CEO, Daniel Eck, wrote in a note that was posted on the company's website, Like many other leaders, I hope to sustain the strong tailwinds from the pandemic and believe that our broad global business and lower risk to the impact of a slowdown in ads would insulate us. Translation, we bought into the idea that CPIs represented a red-hot economy and we hired workers and invested in the company as if that is true. Now that we're seeing over the last half of last year into the first part of this year, that wasn't true at all. Now we've got to start cutting back on our workforce. It's not just the public that has a problem interpreting economic situations. Big companies have made the same errors and for the same reasons, because they all hire these mainstream economists and their econometric models, which immediately dismiss the incredibly useful, validated, historically validated information contained within the markets. And the markets had told you all along, flat yield curves, it was never actually inflation. But as these companies are, first of all, realizing the mistakes that they made interpreting the information and now starting to make adjustments in the workforce, the reason it doesn't get into the data immediately is simply the mechanics, the process that's in, in play here. Here's a good example. Amazon had announced major layoffs last month, or maybe it goes back to November and then they upped them again last month. So essentially they're laying off 18,000 employees, which is the biggest in Amazon's history. And it's not, a, it's not a big number. You have to keep in mind, not only is it 18,000 job cuts, there's no job gains on top of that. So we're missing a lot more jobs than just 18,000 job cuts. And here's what Amazon said. This is a note from the HR department. During COVID, our first priority was scaling to meet the needs of our customers while ensuring the safety of our employees. Yeah, oh yeah. Other, although other companies might have balked at, short, at the short-term economics, they didn't. Everybody did the same thing. We prioritized investing for customers and employees during these unprecedented times. Translation, we thought the good times were going to last forever. Now they say, as we head into 2023, remain in uncertain economic times. Therefore, we've determined that we need to take further steps to improve our cost structure so we can keep investing in the customer experience that attracts customers to Amazon and grows our business, blah, blah, blah. We thought the pandemic represented, especially the government response to the pandemic represented a spark that would lead to an economic renaissance that we haven't seen in decades. And instead, it turns out we were wrong. We invested for the pandemic economy. The pandemic economy turned out to be an artificial one revealed over the second half of last year. Now we're saying, holy crap, what are we going to do in these economic uncertain times? We're going to start cutting employees. But here's the thing. They announced the job cuts last month. They didn't actually start laying people off until just recently. Same thing with Microsoft or Google. Google is announcing, announcing their layoffs today. and they're, I think they're actually laying some people off today. But by and large, there's a lag. 
And there's another lag that's involved here too. Again, let's go back to Amazon. Our goal is to make sure every impacted employee is assisted in this transition. So for example, in the US, we are providing packages that include a 60-day non-working transitional period with full pay and benefits, plus an additional several weeks of severance, depending on the length of time at the company, separation payment, transi transitional benefits, and external job placement support. This is standard practice. If you look at Google, Google is giving out massive severance packages too, starting at 16 weeks. Uh, I believe Spotify is. All the major companies are doing this. And here's the thing. Here's, the, here's where it really gets into. So the companies announce the layoffs. They don't necessarily do them right away. They might take some time to actually arrange who's going to get laid off. And then the, the employees, the unfortunate employees who are laid off, at, at Amazon, they have 60 days where they're going to get full paid even though they're not working. And then they get a severance package on top of that, which means for several months, they're going to continue getting paid, even though they're not working. Guess what that does to the labor market data? Starting with jobless claims. If you're getting a severance pay, as long as it's being paid out weekly or in regular installments along the way, you are not eligible to file for unemployment insurance. If you're getting Amazon's 60-day non-working transitional period, you're still going to show up as employed, even though you're not working. Not only can you not file for unemployment, you're going to be employed. You're, going to, you're not going to show up on the BLS's household survey as unemployed. You're not going to be in the unemployment rate. So in this transition in the labor market, which takes time to develop to begin with, because companies don't want to lay off workers until they're absolutely sure they have to, it doesn't register in the labor data until much later on down the road. So back to what the conference board said, the leading economic indicators say recession, everything else in the labor market data says the economy looks fine, but we know it's not fine. We know it's not fine because of, we understand how the, to interpret this information, but more than that, we understood what markets were telling us all along. Pay attention to those, not to economists. Markets will tell you what's going to happen before it happens, and then they'll tell you what is happening while it happens. Whereas economists and policymakers might tell you what happened months, maybe even years after it happened. That's not just a big problem for them. It's a bigger problem for us. Well, it's, it's a bigger problem for us if we don't pay attention to all this other information and data and know how to interpret the information and data in a way that's actually helpful. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as research subscribers there and Markets Insider Pro. And until next time, take care.